Welcome to episode 15 of the Logan Mark 5-Minute Podcast, where I interview designers from around the world. Today I'm chatting with Ben Mottestead. How are you today, Ben? Yeah, very well, thank you, mate. Very well. Sun is shining and the day is still fairly young, so no complaints on my end. Yeah, it's a very nice day here in the UK. Um, so let's get straight into it. What is your favourite logo and why? Favourite logo? Oh my days, that is a tricky one. I guess for me, I wouldn't say I particularly have maybe a standalone favorite logo. I have favorite branding because to me, I've always been drawn more towards projects that feel really complete. So if you look at, for instance, Smorgasbord's latest rebrand of Wales, yeah, incredible. Nice. Like you look at Moving Brands rebranded um, DeviantArt, just astounding. Um, I and then I even like stuff like Swisscom, which is another project by Moving Brands. Not maybe the most um, stereotypically nicely designed logo but when you put it all together with the typefaces with all the marketing collateral and everything like that mm. it just makes a really solid project and communicates a really well-rounded voice um so yeah it's, it's really tricky because i've never really been drawn towards logo types it's always the branding and i think that's maybe just down to my personality i like different areas coming together to make a whole voice um but yeah i think like i'm trying to have a thing that's a really quick thing Mm, if I had to choose one and nail it down, yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, I'd probably say something like Moving Brands Deviant Art rebrand. I think it was really cleverly designed and it just looks sleek and elegant and it just works. So, yeah, I think maybe something along those lines would probably be my favourite type. I mean, obviously, the brand, the brand's everything as well. It's not just the logo. I mean, if you've got a good logo but nothing to support it, then it's nothing, is it? Hundred percent. I mean, even sound comes into branding. Like, like obviously, people like companies like McDonald's. Basically, their their tune, their melody is. You can hear that anywhere. Anyone in the world can hear that, and they'll know it's that brand. So, even music and sound play a massive part within branding, yeah. which is really fascinating. So, where, but, where, when you're doing your own designs, I know you do a lot of posters and stuff. Where where do you go to research and get inspiration? So, I when I was younger, I was just internet heavy like it's about i would say it's a bad practice like people who just live off pinterest behance always different areas just end up recycling trends mm. and it's not good so i mean when i was at university going on like three well i started six years ago now but in my final year neon colors were all the rage like just everything was bloody neon and while that's great if you are a designer that basically live off digital resources and you'll find that after maybe three to seven eight years all these different uh, things that were posted online at a certain point start to reemerge, and design work starts to like copy itself the same way sort of fashion does and so on because you're just always looking back. I tend to stay towards books and um, just real life stuff. So for instance, here, right next to my desk, I have just little matchbox covers, just loads and loads of little matchbox covers oh, that I go nice. to. I go to thrift shops, uh, well, charity shops, that's quite American saying. <laughs> I go to charity shops and I just pick up loads of stuff in antique stores and I constantly have like dozens of business cards so like that's um one of GH Smith's business cards um and I think it's a really good way to actually get inspiration if you go in like the world has never-ending source of inspiration you look at signs you look at street signs posters in this real environment it that helps me sort of get inspired for work because you're looking at the object how it's meant to sit in the everyday world 
And I think that's really important when you're designing is how is this going to interact with the everyday world and how is that environment going to interact with people? Mm. And if you're just looking at projects on Behance, which is still a really good resource of um, resource for inspiration, you're getting a very curated look at how this project's meant to sit. So you get mock-ups, you get really fancy looking, like sleek looking stuff, but that's not how it works in the everyday world. And I find just understanding how people interact with objects and design is really important if you're going to create work. Um, as you said, I do a lot of posters, but I mean, the posters I do are very just sort of stupid lunchtime. I've got an hour free. What can I make in an hour? Because I think it's good for people to practice and just make stuff without thinking too much about it. So, yeah, I, I'm a big advocate for books and going to the real world and grabbing lots of different things like stickers and leaflets and stuff and just using, keeping them. So very Aaron Draplin in a nutshell, because I know he's a big advocate for junking and doing stuff like that. Um, and it's something I've got into over the last sort of, maybe since I left, so maybe last two years since leaving uni. You know, so, I, yeah. I've done like, I think this is the 15th podcast, I've done probably say two or three without name men mentioning Aaron Draplin. <laughs> it's yeah. Incredible. Um, I think he's just, um, I mean, the thing is with Aaron Draplin is like, I, he, do, he does good design work. It's not outstanding in my point of view. It's not really my, my flavor, but his way of looking at design is really good and it's a solid way of looking at design. And that's why I think a lot of people probably do bring him up or mention him because his craft and the way he creates work is very, like just very interesting and it's more of an old school way of doing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of people say that, and a lot, a lot of it's about his personality too. Um, but yeah, moving on. I, I mean, it's such a just a good thing to do. Like you're showing me the matchbox matchboxes, and they're like really old, classic sort of what we would really appreciate as vintage um, sort of design. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some if you look at this one, I'll try and get it up to the camera. So. I've, I've been doing a project recently, like it's basically like an honest retail campaign, which is, I've posted a few things on Instagram, it's just basically cutting through the crap and going, like buy our stuff, because we sell cool stuff. But this, this idea of having like the sort of serve type in the middle and then just around the edges, that was a big sort of inspiration to the, one of the posters I designed. And yeah. I think it's, it's amazing what you can find just off something as small as like a what I'm guessing is like a three and a half centimeter by two, like one and a half centimeter matchbook. Um, so yeah, it's like, and also like another thing I'm really into just like comics, like old school block, like really heavy block type sort of comics. And I think you can get inspiration everywhere and it's, it's a big world. And if it, it, it sort of makes, I understand why people do it because you've got busy lives, but I, I don't understand why how people can spend all day every day sort of in front of a computer looking like just gathering information and inspiration through the internet because yeah. as I said it's all curated it's all put out in a way that's meant to make it look good but it doesn't mean just because it looks good there doesn't mean it'll look good in the real world um but yeah so you don't get your hands on it either it's not like it's not like a you don't, you don't feel it it's just it's just for a digital screen no exactly so when did you first get into design? Um, so when I was on foundation, when I was 19, um, I was really stuck between fine art and what the basic was the, the design module, which is a collection of illustration and graphic design. Um, and at the time I was really into painting and screen printing and being quite experimental. Um, if anyone's come across the artist, um, Neeston control center, who was, who's called Stephen Smith. 
My art really reflected that style of illustration meets photo montage and typography. Um, and it, we just basically had a one-to-one -one with my head of course, and he suggested that I go into um, design because it's where my work sort of best fit with the mix of illustration. Um, I was still quite interested in typography and letterpress and woodblock, and I did a lot of that, but it wasn't in your typical graphic design fashion. It was more just like, right, I'm going to get all these letters, mess them up, and then screen print the crap out of everything. Um, and then that carried on to my first and second year. It was very experimental. I specialized in motion design in my second year and was really interested in animation. And I still am. It's still a big part of my life. Um, and in third year, it was probably the defining point of when I went into graphics. At that point, I hadn't really done any sort of publication design. And InDesign was a foreign language to me. Typography was as well. I hadn't really done much poster stuff. So it was really in that last year I buckled down and I made some publications and I made loads of posters and screen printed more in that stereotypical sort of graphic design sense so yeah really it's only been the last three years that i've really sort of would i say i've gone down that sort of more traditional graphic design route and my work if anyone follows me on instagram or anywhere like that they'll see that i'm really into typography like it's probably one of the biggest factors within my work but that's only come about through the journey of just practicing loads of different things and constantly evolving and experimenting and then finally sort of coming into a place where I'm just making stuff that has a consistent feel to it mm. but yeah so I'd say three years ago when I was in or maybe just over three years ago now when I was in my last year of uni. Do you, do you think that was a benefit of university having those two years where you didn't do too much in design and photoshop illustrator or do you would you prefer to do I, it earlier? Uh, I think university, I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for all universities, but my university was very much about development and the idea. It wasn't ever so much about the, the final execution. Okay. So they were really, really intense and big on experimentation and trying every medium under the sun and not limiting yourself to something. So just because you're doing a branding piece with like a typographic branding piece doesn't mean you shouldn't also explore motion and you should explore illustration and you should always be like questioning and wondering about these things. So Part of it was a byproduct of my course being like that. You weren't ever pushed to do one specific thing, so you experimented with lots of different things, and all the projects you were given were also like that. It was sort of like go out and take 50 photographs and then create a piece of work about each one or create this zine about anything you want, but it has to include these two colours and this sort of type work. And it's, it was very much like that. So, yeah, I found it was, for me, very rewarding. I wouldn't say it'd be perfect, the course would be perfect for anyone, and I went to the University of West of England in Bristol. And for someone who knows they want to be a typographic publication designer, um, I'd say maybe you could find a better course. But for someone like me who wasn't maybe particularly sure about what they wanted to be mm. and wanted to evolve a bit, it was a perfect environment. That's great. That's great. You, you mentioned you like obviously your favourite typography and stuff. What's your favourite font? Oh, favourite font. Oh man, I'm literally such a sucker for stuff like Helvetica. <laughs> is it? This is it. Is it no or new? Have you got any U E? Uh, noi, noi. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I create a lot of my own. So when I, on my Instagram, all the work I create, it's normally a combination of me just making my own. And I, I do it in such a half-assed way, but I literally just make rectangles and circles and combine everything. And I just do it to what looks, I feel looks balanced. But if I had to choose a font, Trade Century got the next. Love it. Um, Helvetica, new, um, condensed and bold are probably two of the ones I use the most um, which is really uninspiring but I think if it's something works for you then use it um, and other than that I just make my own most of the time cool cool fair enough yeah um, I'm, I'm sure it's 
I don't know. People say new. People say new. I, I probably, probably is new. <laughs> I always say like Artney Bow, but it's because it's got the same EU in it. So I was not, maybe it's no, but I don't. I'm, I'm going to look this up after this chat. <laughs> I don't know how to actually say it. So who is well, who's your design idol? Where's where'd you get? If there's one person who's your main inspiration, oh, uh, it's like Anthony Burrell. Someone like literally like the guy is complete like mad legend. He just seems to. So like he's a definition of what happens when simplicity just meets brilliance and it just works. Um, his typography work is just m- massive influence on me. And I think if people looked at my work, they'd probably see that. They'd be like, yeah, you can sort of see where like the sort of, I use a lot of phrases and just captions in my work. Mm. Um, other than that, there's a guy called Gavin Strange, who's a student of Gem Factory, senior designer at Ardman. I've met him a couple of times and literally the, nicest guy in the world and so inspirational he's sort of up there with like in my opinion the drafting of just being like that one of his personalities that is yeah. just sort of um contagious and he just make after you have a talk with him you just want to go make stuff and you don't he's just all about making and it's sort of something i've always tried to have like sort of the person i try to have myself is i just want people to make stuff and i really admire like designers who have that effect on people where it's not about creating the best thing it's just about making sure you do make something so, hmm. yeah, that's a big influence. Um, trying to think who else. Like, I really like some of the stuff Paula Schur obviously makes because she's so big and tight. But at the same time, I wouldn't say I, she's my go-to idol. I wouldn't say, necessarily reference her. I just think in the early days, some of the stuff she was coming out with was just really cutting edge and pushed yeah. the medium. Well, Anthony Burrell, for me, 100%, like just a really, really um, good designer communication designer awesome yeah are you, are you going to the Paula Cher thing next week no I was looking at tickets and yeah. I don't I've actually got to work late that night and oh, no. I probably miss like the first half of it and it's just um yeah I just I would love love to go but I just can't I don't I'm not gonna have the time I don't think yeah, fair which enough. is a shame because I was um a bit gutted when I miss people like that like um see no evil did um a, a talking uh, Shoreditch and Anthony Burrell was there and I didn't find out about it until like two days after and I was really gutted um, which is another thing I'd say to people go to talks go to lectures go and speak to people because that's another way of really helping yourself improve as a designer mm, definitely what's the most valuable design book you've ever read? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one second <laughs> oh there's so many me. Um, <laughs> so grab, grab yourself, mate. Um, okay. Oh. So there's two, and it's actually by, they're both by artists that I've just mentioned. So you've got Do Fly, Gavin Strange. Strange, yeah. Teach to self help. Like, it's not even like, it doesn't really cover design, it just, it's about, um, about how to basically live your life in a way that you make stuff. And it's, it can be read by anyone. It's not even exclusive to design. I think accountants could read this book and take something away from it. But it's just got really, really nice. It's just really nicely designed. And he's, he's really into hip-hop and stuff like that. So you've got loads of like little pages where it's just quotations of like hip-hop, hip-hop artists, rap artists. Nice. Um, but yeah, so that's really cool. And obviously, Make It Now, Anthony Burrell, just... Big him up, like I think I read that when I went to Canada recently, and it was just his journey. Like I think the thing is, a lot of people feel like they're they're alone in the world to an extent. Like they feel they're having they're, they're struggling or they don't feel they're where they're meant to be. 
you read books from people like this who are really revered and you realize they've all had the same thing like anthony ball was his wife's photography assistant or fashion assistant sorry for, for like years after he got out of uh, royal college of art he couldn't find a job so he actually worked as his wife's assistant all right well. and worked, so they worked together um and he did that for quite a few years and it wasn't until like later in his life that he really got recognized for his typography work so i like reading books like this because i think it humbles you but also makes you realize that it's not a bad thing to maybe be in the position you are in your life and it's just about the journey. And eventually you will present, you may be like, you may like, there's nothing wrong with being a 40 year old, like senior designer in an unknown agency. Like if you're making every day, that's great. But I think it's not bad to be in your early twenties and think, Oh, I wish I was doing more of my life. Because mm. when you look at like Polisher, you look at any of these, like Anthony Burrell, you look at like, yeah, like obviously Jessica Walsh and people like that. They all just had, and Sagmites, they all have like paths to follow and it doesn't always come easy. So I like reading stuff like that. I think it's important to read books that aren't necessarily just part of the time, personally, because I think it's, it helps you sort of in your own life, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the audio dropped again there, but yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, something I need to consider in my, my own life personally as well. Um, I've... Looking at looking at all these big designers and that, it, it is motivational and that. But then you realise, you know, they all started yeah, was, where, uh, where I am. Yeah. Where you know where you. Was that the one? Um, John John Burgess' Ways of Seeing. Um, very hard, very hard book to get around. It's, it's wrote in very old English. Like he's like one would say that one is one. Okay. But it's and it's not about design but it's got it's insanely interesting and it's about how you see the world and it's got an amazing section at the end which talks specifically about how you can find the same traits in modern day advertising that were used in old renaissance painting right. in terms of composition and color and how things are laid out um, in order to like get a public interest so that's another book i'd recommend to people um, especially the fourth I think it's the fourth chapter like it's in four sections because um, that is just a, it's just a fascinating read and it, mean, it makes you see that nothing really has changed over hundreds of years in the way art interacts with the public that's interesting yeah I have to pick that up I mean Gavin Strange's books uh, Gavin, Gavin Strange's book as well I have to pick that one up I've been, it's been on my list for a while yeah it's really it's only like um, it's like three okay so it's 122 pages yeah I read it while I was taking a bath like it's not it's not a hard read but it's really uh, inspiring Brilliant. So, what is your number one design tip? Number one design tip is does well. No, I was going to say design. Like just make, <laughs> like make, like literally make stuff. I, yeah. I for quite a few months and well, a long time, I've made a piece a day, and I'm starting to drop off that a bit because I'm getting a bit tired of only having these like quite quickly designed pieces. I want something that feels like it's part of a project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got to do it. You've got to make, you can't just sit there and wish you were like one of the best designers in the world or wish you were like doing something with your life. You have to go and actually design. And it's more, it's, it's important to remember that it's about being finished and not being perfect, which I, I think I've heard from like um, a Skillshare talk, but it is, it's so relevant that you just have stuff that's finished. It doesn't matter if it's perfect. It doesn't matter if this one bit of kerning isn't right. It's just that you do it and you learn from your mistakes and you evolve quicker the more you make. So that's one one piece of advice I would say to people is get out in the world and get inspired by the stuff around you, not from a computer screen, and just make anything and everything that comes to your head. Even if it's a shit idea and you think it's not got any legs on it, 
just make it and you'll get you'll get the reward from it you'll realize after three months of just making something every day or just doing it that your creative thinking gets faster and your self-confidence gets better because you realize you're not bad at what you do you can make consistent pieces of work that look reasonably good so yeah that's my thing is just make something i don't care if it's like a little zine or it's an illustration or it's a piece it's a poster that says like i am the greatest it's just important you go and make stuff that's a great tip thank you very much so where can people find out more information about you so being a true like lazy designer i have this is a thing that people always find funny about i don't have a website i've had one for like two years and i don't have a behance and i just use instagram and i'm sorting that for anyone who's like in their heads now going oh what a moron uh in the next few months i am going to get a website up and that domain will be bendesign.co and that's what my domain is but it's, there's nothing on it at the moment and other than that my instagram which is um ben underscore designs um i've got a little like table tennis paddle as my picture so you can't miss me um so yeah that's the best way to reach me and if anyone ever needs any help or wants any feedback out and have a conversation or collaborate with me then i'm more than happy to do that because i just want to put some stuff out in the world and help people as best i can perfect thank you very much for being on the show no problem dude great 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 time and i'm just drinking my crabbies (laughs) there we go there it is thank you very much for listening to this episode of the logomark podcast I really enjoy chatting to Ben. He's got lots of insight, knowledge, and he's a really easygoing chap. I'm sorry we experienced a few sound problems during this episode. Um, hopefully they won't be in the next one. However, please do go and check out Ben's work on Instagram. And whilst you're on the internet, go to bluedeer.design, the logo marked podcast hub. On there you'll find more of my work and all of the podcast episodes. If you're on YouTube, please give it a like, comment and subscribe. If you're on iTunes, then give us a review. That really helps and it also helps to improve the podcast. Share with a friend and I'll see you in the next episode.